हेलो एवरीवन वेलकम टू ऑप्शन गेक दिस इज योर होस्ट विवेक पार्ट टाइम ऑप्शन ट्रेडर एंड फुल टाइम वर्कर हस्बैंड एंड फादर इफ यू आल्सो वांट टू जनरेट कंसिस्टेंट मंथली इनकम ट्रेडिंग ऑप्शंस व्हाइल वर्किंग इन योर रेगुलर डे जॉब देन जॉइन मी इन दिस जर्नी हेलो एवरीवन एंड वेलकम टू एपिसोड नंबर 49 of the option gig podcast in this episode i'm going to review the performance of option trading for the year 2020 we just entered 2021 and i was preparing books for the small business that i own that gave me an idea why only the small business i also treat my options as a business it's a serious business for me it's not fun I'm not spending time for fun or as a hobby. I treat my option trading as a business. So I thought, why not prepare books for my option trading business as well? So today I want to go through some of the metrics, some of the numbers that I derived by looking at all the trades. I analyzed the data of all the option trades that I had done. and frankly the long weekend gave me some opportunity to go back look at all the trades and find out how did we perform on our option as a trading business and so i will go through the numbers first and in the end i will also go through what in my opinion worked well and where do i think I still had gaps in my option trading. All right. Let's dive into it. First, numbers. How did the portfolio perform in 2020? So for me, and here we only talking about options trading. Means the amount of funds in the account which I primarily use for options trading. of course i might have some shares in it might have some long stock position in it but those are the accounts which i primarily use for my options trading it means this does not consist of my retirement account this does not consist of my long stock account this does not consist of my kids account or my wife's account in which i generally don't trade options i have some long stock positions Okay so today's podcast is focused only on options and let me remind you past performance is not a guarantee for the future performance so in 2020 our portfolio performance our return on capital for me was 82.63% which i'm pretty happy about S&P 500 had returned close to 16 point some percent so we have handsomely beaten S&P 500 to the multiple of 5 so i'm pretty happy with that and uh, this is time weighted return on capital means if i have added funds into uh, the options trading account during the course of year 
it accounts for that. It accounts for the funds added as well as funds removed. And this is how the mutual funds, they track their performance, which is time-weighted return on capital. So for 2020, time-weighted return on capital was 82.63%. Now, if I go over the month, each month, the worst performing month for our portfolio was March. And I assume everyone would agree, March was the worst for S&P also. In March, I saw a drawdown of 21.79%. Better than S&P drawdown of 35%, but still, it's a big drawdown. One-fifth of your portfolio, one-fifth of my portfolio was wiped in March. So I saw the drawdown of negative 21.79%. That was the worst month. The best performing month for my portfolio was November 2020, wherein we saw the gains of 20.39%. So from the magnitude perspective, the drawdown, approximately 22%. The best performance, approximately 21%. Best month was November. The worst month was March. So that's about the portfolio performance. Let's look at some of the other statistics. Now, to get that performance, how much of the capital did I use? How much of the available buying power did I use? It is important. When I'm trading options, I want to make sure I do not consume at any circumstances, under any circumstances, at any point of a time. I don't want to consume more than 50 to 55%. So by end of 2020, the overall buying power used was 42%. So we still had 58% of the buying power available to capitalize on you know, some other opportunity if market would have fallen down. I could have capitalized something. But 42% is well within my target. So it means we did not take undue risk to generate 82%. We did not leverage too much to generate 82%. 42% usage of the account is decent one. Let's look at days in trade, i.e. how many days did, the, did we stay in the trade? So oh, most of my trades, we closed it under 30 days. So approximately 75% of all the trades were closed within 30 days. And more than 90% of all the trades were closed within 50 days. The highest, if I were to pick up what's my highest range, around 16% 
of the trades were closed within 10 to 15 days. 15% were closed between 5 to 10 days. And 13% were closed between 20 to 25 days. So it means 75% of the trades, we were out under 30 days. Let's look at the next matrix, win and loss. I also want to know, what was my win rate? As you know, I generally try to put up a trades with around 70% probability of profit. And then if the trade doesn't go our way, we try to manage it to increase the probability of profit. So now let's look back and see if those 70% did that really work out. So now I'm taking the number only considering the trades that we have closed. Because only upon closing the trade, I'll come to know whether it was a winner or it was a loser. The trades that are still open, it's anybody guess whether those will win or those will lose. So looking at the closed trades, if I look at each individual trade in isolation in itself, our win rate was 75%, which is pretty close to what I would expect. Most of the trades that we open are around the same range. So probabilities do work out, but they work out over large number of trades. So math works. And that's why I love trading options and staying within our rules. So 75% win rate is way better than coin toss of 50-50% or just picking up the stock and hoping that the stock will benefit. Now, if we also take into account the trades that we had ruled, there will be many trades that didn't work out. So we had to roll the trades. If we consider all the rolled trades as one single trade, not as individual separate trades, but as one single trade, then our win rate is 86%, which is what you would expect that if you are managing your trade, you can increase your win rate. That's exactly what I see in the numbers. Doing trade management, managing your trade when the trade is not working in your favor, increases your win rate. For me, it increased the win rate by 11%. If I individually, if I look at each trade as its own standalone individual trade, the win rate was 75%. But if I consider all the rolled trades as one single trade, the win rate is 86%. Let's look at the next matrix, which is how many symbols did we trade on? Oh, 
In 2020, I was super active. I traded a total of 166 tickers or 166 symbols. Sometimes I feel that maybe I had spread myself too thin. My portfolio probably resemble a well-diversified ETF. 166 symbols. It's a huge portfolio or it's a big ETF itself. Let's look at the next number. Just how many of those were profitable takers for me? Out of those 166 that I traded, how many of those turned out where we made money on aggregate basis? And how many of them we lost money on? So out of 166 that I traded, there are six tickers on which we still have open trades. So overall, 160 unique symbols were closed in 2020. Out of which the profitable triggers were 145. Means trading options on 145 symbols, we made money. The net premium that we have taken home was positive, is greater than zero. And on 15 out of 160, on those 15 tickers, we lost money. So, if you look at a percentage, 87% of the tickers turned out to be profitable tickers and 13% didn't work out for us. So, I got some homework to do to identify what those 13% or 15 symbols are and take it out of my portfolio. Maybe I don't understand those companies. Maybe the trades that I did, I didn't study well. Or the conditions were not suitable when I opened the trade. Or maybe those were speculative trade. So that's something, homework, which I need to do to look at which were those 15 tickers that didn't work out for us. Or maybe it is possible. And I'm sure this is the case that some of those tickers are the hedge trades. Trades that we did to hedge our portfolio. And if we are losing out on that trade, it's okay. That's our deliberate loss that I'm willing to take because it means the rest of the portfolio is growing. That showed up in more than 82% return on capital. But anyway, that's the homework I need to do. Look at how many of them were the hedge trades. Ignore them. I am always willing at any time of a day ready to lose money on hedge trades. Let's look at the next metric. How about the strategy? You know, which strategies work the best for me? 
of the amount of premium that we have retained in 2020, which strategies provided the most amount of premium, most dollar value of premium? So no surprises. 2020 was bullish. So the best performance strategy was short put, naked put. Almost 80% of the profits came from that. The next one in the order is call spread, short call spread. Close to 17% of the profits or of the premium came from call spread. And then it's a short put spread about 10%. Now, I also did some of the speculative trades, you know, gamble money, buy some long calls, or do some other speculative trades. So the long call, actually, we lost money. I lost 2.5%. If I had not done long calls, my portfolio would have done better. And some of the other speculative trades, again, most of them would have been long calls. I lost another 6%. So overall, I think the long positions didn't work out for me at all. The long call spreads, long put spreads, long put, long call, they all didn't work out for me. All of them returned negative. The other strategy that were negative were the hedging trades and the collar trades. And as you would understand, I think collar, I'm okay. That collars didn't work out. It means the rest of the portfolio worked because I had put collars around my trades, assuming that if the market goes down, I have already limited my losses by using collar. But if market goes high, I might have to take loss on the collar trade while the portfolio is growing in value. So I did that. So that's the worst performing strategy is a collar, uh, which I'm okay with. It means I lost an option trade, but the rest of the portfolio that grew uh, way more than what I've lost on the option trade. Once again, the best performing, naked put, short call spread, short put spread. The worst performing, caller, hedging, and mostly the long calls or the long option trades. All right, so those are some of the metrics that I had collected, I hope. Uh, you'll be able to benefit from my experience. So let's now go through some of the things that I feel worked out for me in 2020. What are the changes that I did in my trading methodology that worked out? And what are some of the gaps that I need, I need to worry about in 2021? Okay, so let's do an introspection in 2020 trading. 
नंबर वन सेलिंग कॉल इन मोमेंटम स्टॉक्स और अदर वे राउंड नॉट सेलिंग कॉल इन मोमेंटम स्टॉक्स सो दिस ईयर इन ट्वेंटी ट्वेंटी आई हैड पोजिशन इन मोमेंटम स्टॉक्स एंड आई वॉन्ट आई मेड श्योर दैट आई हैव एट लीस्ट फिफ्टी यूनिट्स ऑफ एनी स्टॉक बिफोर आई सेल अ कॉल और अ कॉल स्प्रेड डेलीबरेटली आई रिफ्रेन फ्रॉम सेलिंग नेकेड कॉल्स इन मोमेंटम स्टॉक्स एंड आई बिलीव दैट रियली वर्क आउट वेल बिकॉज इवन आफ्टर द मार्च क्रैश इवन आफ्टर द मार्केट वॉज डाउन थर्टी फाइव परसेंट दिज मोमेंटम स्टॉक्स दिस जूम्ड राइट बैक सो इफ आई हैड सोल्ड नेकेड कॉल्स आई वुड हैव हैड टू वरी अबाउट बिग लॉसेस सो आई मेड अ कमिटमेंट टू माई सेल्फ डोंट सेल नेकेड कॉल्स ऑन मोमेंटम स्टॉक्स Despite however attractive the premium may be, in some of the EV stocks, the premium was ridiculous. But I did not sell naked calls. I have sold covered calls, but no naked calls. Okay, second thing, buying power used. I had utilized only. Forty-two percent of buying power. I was very, very conscious, and always watching how much buying power have I used, ensuring that the buying power stays below my threshold. It allowed me to sleep well. I didn't have to worry about getting margin calls from the broker, even when the market was down 35% in march i had a cash which was sitting aside waiting for that moment to get deployed so i used that imagine if i was already using all my capital before march that march drawdown would have worried me that financial discipline of not using all the capital not using all the buying power turned the march disaster into opportunity for me i added capital i made use of that that drawdown to open up bullish positions so keeping an eye on the buying power helped me to sleep well third point is around hedging because i had long stock positions in this options account i hedged heavily using spy and qqq so if i look at individual stock or ticker return probably spy is a worst ticker for me I would have lost a lot of money on SPY, and I'm okay with that because I was using SPY and QQQ ETFs for 
hedging purposes. I wanted to make sure that my overall delta is not too big. Whenever it crossed a threshold at which I'm uncomfortable, I will do a negative delta trades on SPY. And market kept going higher, so I lost on SPY trade. But it's okay, my rest of the portfolio grew. The fact that I had hedges, I didn't have to worry about what if the market goes down. I'm protected a bit through those hedges. So a big lesson for me, and that helped me is have hedge trades on always. If I used to close one hedge, I'll put on immediately another hedge. So most, almost all the hedges I lost money, except the hedge that was on prior to March. On those hedges, I made some good amount of money. And after that, on all the hedges, I lost money. But I'm okay to lose money on hedges. Next one, diversification. I had trades in diversified stocks, individual stocks, or ETFs. And as you've seen, I, own, I had more than 160 individual stock symbols or ETFs on which I traded. So because my portfolio was well diversified, the overall volatility of my PNL was low. My portfolio volatility was low. Because my portfolio was diversified, if one of the sector is not performing, the other one is performing. If the value is out of favor, the momentum stocks kept the lights on. The growth was working. And now in late December, the growth stocks were not working. The momentum stocks were not working, but the value stocks were working. So overall, our portfolio volatility was not huge because I had a diversified mix of takers in my portfolio. Next one. A new all-time high does not mean that it is overvalued. I think this is one of the most difficult, uh, I would say, mindset that I had to work upon. I had to work really hard to open up bullish positions even when the stock has hit all-time high. Who wants to buy when the thing is at the most expensive place? No one. We all want to buy when the stocks are available at discount. But in 2020, many of these momentum stocks kept hitting all-time high. Every week. And I didn't hold back myself from opening bullish positions. Of course, all those positions were 
short puts or short put spreads giving us some room for error in case stocks fall down so because i was trading options because the probability of profit was higher because i had a room for error i did not hesitate to open a bullish position on the stocks which i like and even those those stocks that hit all time high so all time high does not mean that the stock is overvalued it could go further high conversely a 50 to 60% drop in a stock doesn't mean that now it is undervalued i stayed away from these falling knives in 2020 some of my friends they used to tell me that they opened positions in Tiger ABC because it has fallen on sixty percent. Now it is available much cheaper price than it was two days ago. If I had not analyzed that stock, I stayed away from that. I wish my friends good luck, but I did not open any position. So I didn't try to catch any falling knife in twenty twenty, and I think that helped it. Next one, overall three sixty degree view of portfolio. So, in my options account, I also open covered call trades. Even if I don't hold shares in my stock portfolio, but I hold shares in in non uh, options uh, portfolio. so in my option portfolio i don't hold stocks but say if i hold that stock in my 401k i will still go ahead and open a covered kind of i will still go ahead and open a call in options portfolio so it's kind of a cross account covered call so it, it having an idea of your overall portfolio a global view of portfolio really really helped me next one closing the trades when it hit the profit target so i think the discipline of not waiting to squeeze the last drop of premium that helped me to preserve the gains or to not lose the gains that i had i had accrued up to the point i was disciplined in terms of when i have an order executed i'll go ahead and put a good to closing order and then that order got executed my order is closed even if the stock continue to cooperate afterwards it's okay i did not have the seller remorse i was not cribbing that oh i got out cheaply it hit my profit target i'm out i'm not going to wait till the last moment to squeeze every trade possibly maybe if i had done that probably would have worked out better in 2020 but that won't work out in all situations so i think i was able to recycle the capital much more quicker more efficiently 
once this a particular trade hits the profit target, I'm out. Utilize the capital and start some other trade. The last one. Think risk before rewards. And that philosophy kept my mind very sane. I didn't take any undue risks. The small speculative trades I did, those are like less than a percent of my portfolio. I tried to focus more on consistency and not on occasional hits out of the park. To do those hits, I would have to take undue risk. And I did not want to take undue risk. I did not take undue risks. And I think that helped me in 2020. All right, so those are the things which I feel worked out or helped me in 2020. Now, there are some things that I feel were the gaps in my trading methodology in 2020. Number one, cash on the sidelines. More cash than I would want to have sitting in the sidelines. So while a good pile of cash helped me when the markets fell down in March, and I believe and I feel strongly that I still have more cash waiting to be deployed than I would want it to. And I held on to that cash because I've been waiting for you know, market reversal. The market drop that I've been waiting for never arrived. So I'm still holding more cash than I would want to. So that's one gap I need to work upon. Number two, I've, we briefly touched upon this earlier, is I traded a lot of tickers. More than 160 tickers. I feel I spread myself too thin. Maybe I should take little bigger bets on the tickers or on the positions where I have a lot more conviction. So I need to concentrate my portfolio just a bit. Hugely concentrated portfolios is not good. You need to have a diversification. But I think my portfolio is way over diversified. And I may just run out of bandwidth to track all the trades or all the takers and what's happening with those companies. So that is something which I need to work upon in 2021 to reduce the amount of takers or maybe reduce the cost basis of some of those takers to close to zero so that then I may not have to worry about. So I believe, I think that's one big gap in my 2020 trading is I traded too many takers. I need to put bigger money, a little more money behind my highest conviction trades and don't put any money on those takers where I have, where I have lower conviction. 
I think those are the two things I definitely need to work upon. Number three, tracking and journaling. Even though I've made good strides personally to track trades, I think I can still do better. So that's something I still need to work upon is continuously improve the tracking of portfolio. The tracking of options and how it interacts with the rest of the portfolio. All right, so I think that's it for today. I hope uh, you like this uh, and it'll be great if you can learn from my mistakes and don't commit the same mistakes yourself. That's the whole intent of this episode is to share what worked out for me in 2020. Where are the gaps that I need to work on in 2021? As always, if you have any questions, let me know by sending an email to vivek at optiongig.com v-i-v-e-k at optiongig.com Till the next time, Goodbye. Happy trading. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Please note that all the information presented is purely for educational purposes and is not a financial or investment advice. I don't know you. You don't know me. So do yourself a favor and don't invest or trade solely based on what you hear.